May mercy and grace and peace be yours from God our Father, from his Son, his risen Son, Jesus the Christ. So, when you take a walk, you can do it in different ways. If you have a three- or a four-year-old next to you, you're not going to make great time because you're going to have to stop and examine that feather that's next to the sidewalk. Or you're going to have to pick a dandelion and blow the seeds out around you. And you will have to stop to tie a shoelace or to wipe a nose. There's someone I know who likes to walk. She does so quite a bit. Sometimes Connie is by herself listening to a podcast. Sometimes she's with a friend having a animated, thoughtful, or just interesting conversation. But when I walk, it's with purpose. My motto is walk like you're late. I want to get from point A to point B as quickly as I can. My two-mile power walk is for fitness. It's not for sightseeing or for chit-chat. Today, we're going on a walk once more, a walk on this Sunday after Easter. May the Holy Spirit give us attentive ears and expectant hearts this day that we might see the good news that those walking, trudging to Emmaus saw and heard. People God dearly loves. The Easter Easter story is a series of stories about seeing and not seeing. Two women walk to the tomb early on that first Easter morning and can only see death, the crucifixion they witnessed on Friday and the corpse carried to the grave. Then they see the tomb open. They see the stone rolled away, but they don't see, even though the angels tell them so, that what Jesus promised is made true. He is alive. He is victorious. After the women report this strange and unexpected news, Peter and John race out to the cemetery. No trudging for them. They look inside the cave and see the grave clothes neatly folded, but they don't see the reality of what this means. Mary Magdalene waits near the tomb. Through her tears, she sees someone thinking it's the gardener. She says, they've taken away my Lord. Where is his body? Only when Jesus calls her by name does she see that he is raised to life. The ten locked inside the upper room on Easter night are surprised by Jesus standing in their midst. But only when he shows them the wounds in his wrists and the scar in his side do they see Jesus with joy. The next week, when Thomas is also present, the eleven all see Jesus. The disciple who demanded to touch proclaims, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, to them and to us, Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. But today's gospel from Luke 24 takes us back to that first Easter day. Two disciples are trudging, my choice of verb, they're trudging out to Emmaus from Jerusalem. One is named Cleopas, 
Some biblical scholars think that this is the same person mentioned in John 19. There we read, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas. Clopas, you see, is the Hebrew spelling and Cleopas is the Greek spelling. Is this the same man? The answer is, it might be. Luke also tells us that two of them were going to a village called Emmaus. Is it Mrs. Cleopas? Or as some traditions say, is it Simon, that would be the Hebrew, and Simeon, the Greek, the son of Cleopas? You may wonder about those questions and those answers, and I will wonder with you. But here is what we do know. While they are trudging those seven miles alone, the two are no longer unknown as they are discussing all the things that have happened over the last three days. All of a sudden, as we sang in the hymn, an unexpected stranger, Jesus, is walking with them. They see him, but they don't recognize him. Then as soon as Jesus asks, what are you two talking about? The trudging stops, they stand still, and they are sad. Cleopas finally stammers. You must be a visitor to Jerusalem. You must be the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened and are happening here. What things, Jesus replies, and I think he had a smile on his face when he said that. Now the story tumbles out of the two of them. It's about Jesus. That's what we're talking about. A prophet from Nazareth. He did great deeds, amazing miracles. He told us great truths about the kingdom of God. But our religious leaders, our chief priests, turned him over to the Roman governor. They shouted for Jesus to be crucified. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Many of us believe that this Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the long-promised Savior. But there's more to the story. This is what they told Jesus. It's the third day since he died, but we've heard amazing reports. Some women followers went to the tomb early this morning, and it was empty. The body was nowhere to be found. They even said that angels announced that Jesus was alive. Two of the other disciples went to check it out and found it just the way the women reported. But him, this Jesus, they did not see. Now it is our Lord's turn to speak, and I don't think he's smiling. Oh, foolish ones. How can you be so slow of heart to believe all that God's prophets declare? Don't you understand that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer all these things? Don't you understand that this was how he would enter into his glory? Then Jesus did a Bible study with Cleopas and his companion as they walked, as they trudged closer and closer to Emmaus. Here are some of the events I think he reminded them of. Remember, he started with Moses, and Moses writes the book of Genesis, where Adam and Eve are trudging out of the Garden of Eden away from paradise with this question, will we ever return? 
And the story of Abram trudging up Mount Moriah with his young son Isaac jabbering away next to him with this question, will there be an escape from certain death? The Israelites trudging back to their dwellings in Egypt after another day of slave labor with this question, will we ever be free? The Israelites trudging again. Now, after the Red Sea across the wilderness for another week, another month, another year with this question, will we ever have a home? And also, this key story. Jesus must have told them about trudging up the hill called Golgotha, staggering and falling under the crossbeam with this most important question. Will the innocent one die? And will the guilty ones be set free? Then our Lord may have continued. You hoped that this Jesus was going to redeem Israel, correct? And they nod affirmatively. So to buy back his people, a price had to be paid. This price was the death of Jesus. Perishable things could not do this. Only the precious blood of Christ could pay that ransom. And only a lamb without blemish or spot could be that redemption. How long would it take to walk seven miles? We'll assume a leisurely 20 minutes a mile pace. That means they had over two hours for this conversation. But I'm quite sure that Jesus was the one doing most of the talking. Now they've come closer to Emmaus. And Jesus acts as if he's going to keep on down the road. But Cleopas and his companions say, stay with us. It's almost evening. It's getting dark. You must be tired. At least have something to eat before you continue walking. Jesus agrees, and they sit at the table. Then, just as he did on the hillside above the Sea of Galilee, Jesus blesses the bread, breaks it, and gives it to them. And their eyes are opened to recognize him. But as soon as they see Jesus, he vanishes. And they confess their faith by saying, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us all the scriptures? What or who do you want to see? What or who do you want to see so that you would trudge off the parking lot and into the sanctuary at Crown of Life today? Aren't we often as sad and as confused as the disciples trudging to Emmaus? Aren't we often as fearful as the disciples behind their locked doors? Aren't we often as unconvinced as Thomas? And don't we have the same questions? Questions Jesus may have asked along the dusty road that day. Will we ever return to paradise? Will there be an escape from certain death? Will we ever be free? Will we ever see a home? Today, we saw those questions answered. Because today, 
we saw God do his work right there at the baptismal font. We saw a newborn son in his parents' arms. We saw the cross traced on his forehead and heart. We saw water poured over his head. We saw a garment fitted and a candle lit. But what we didn't see, yet what we praise God for, are his far, far greater gifts to William Fritz and to you and to me. Cleansing us of our sin, clothing us with his righteousness, claiming us as part of his family, connecting us to the death and burial and the rising of Jesus. Blessed are those who see their salvation through Christ and in his living word. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.